Hello and welcome to the Everyday Journey podcast. I'm your host, Vasily Mazin, coming at you from New York City. The idea behind this project is to interview people who are outstanding in their field, one way or another. The theme will undoubtedly emerge on its own as we go along on this journey, casting a spotlight on one character at a time. My very first guest of the inaugural podcast episode is a musician, a songwriter, a communication technology professional, and all around a lovely guy. He is part of the blossoming darkwave band called Inhalt, where he plays a variety of synthesizers and also writes and sings. Philip is educated as an audio engineer and has been a music devotee for a long time. He is also a great friend and someone whose company I always enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Philip Vinegar. Thank you. How was my introduction, Philip? Did yeah, I miss, that was did I miss, good. Did I miss anything important? No, I think that was fantastic. Uh, you're you're putting me in a very good light. I feel very honored, and I'm very honored to be the first uh, guest on you on uh, on your uh, podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. And so there's a little bit of pressure on you. <laughs> of course, there is. There always is. Okay, so let's go right into it and tell me how did you start as a musician? You know, I mean, that has been something that I was always fascinated by already as a as a kid. Um, technically, I would suppose I started by learning the trumpet uh, at the age of nine, uh, forcefully, uh, somewhat. Um, and um, I didn't like it, but I always appreciated how music was put together. Um, so I spent then just a lot of time doing research and experimentation and, um, you know, just finding finding my way. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it was kind of a passion that it got me deeper and deeper into it uh, just by chance. So, yeah, that's kind of the start on that. Okay. And... Did you consider yourself a musician in the beginning uh, or was it just kind of an organic, slow process of becoming one? You know, I, I you know, honestly, I never considered myself a musician. Um, I, I just considered myself a person that was interested in this. I guess you could call me a musician, but a, mus- a musician for me is somebody who who uh, who, uh, you know, has uh, some some training in this. And a lot of what I do is self-taught. You do have some training, though, related to audio. So tell me about uh, your education and how you made that choice to learn what you did. I I was always a big fan of uh, combining music and technology, which I believe are two different schools entirely. Technology always fascinated me because uh, I was always in control of what the machine can do. So I I I technically appreciated the the approach to that. But what really got me uh, fascinated by is is how to apply this uh, technical knowledge, if you will, to an art form, how to make it descriptive in a sense. And um, I was always fascinated by film, by installation art, by by music, electronic music in, in particular, because it marries together uh, technology with uh, with art, with music. And so uh, I studied audio engineering because I felt that was the closest that I can get to combining an art form uh, in itself, but with a lot of technical understanding and background uh, with with achieving that Um, sort of like uh, painting, um, you know, sculptures and pictures, but using frequencies and sounds. So so that's how I I kind of, you know, got into that. Very. uh rich uh, picture you've painted uh, but how about uh, a bit more specific uh, where'd you go to school and what did you study so <clears throat> i went to school at uh, sae uh, the school of audio engineering in uh, zurich switzerland i'm i'm from switzerland um and uh, i found that school actually through a friend of mine um I was doing sort of a, I, I finished my mandatory schooling and doing sort of a gap year and not really sure what I wanted to do in life. And, you know, those, those, all those things that you have as a, as a young uh, person or young adult, if you will. As, as a lost uh, teenager. Not so much a lost. <laughs> I, you know, to be honest with you, I was never really lost because I, I kind of knew exactly what I wanted to do. I just did not know how to approach that. And so, so uh, SAE seemed seemed like the the right choice because it was a it was an institute that was geared for exactly that. If, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think you told me that you had sort of a, a sort of an expectation from your father to 
take a certain route in education and you compromised somehow and and got support from your family uh, even though they from what i remember they didn't really uh, think that studying audio was was uh, the best choice i guess they expected more of a linear uh, uh you know sort of life right where you know my my parents don't really come from a from a very artistic sort of background they are very sort of logical um uh, you know people in a sense so they, they they didn't really understand why i would make this choice to do uh, to learn a profession that is so up and down and is so unclear and maybe you make it maybe you don't and you know they, they just expected more of a, why don't you just study you know finance and then you'll have a good job and you'll you'll be okay in life you'll you'll be able to carry yourself and all those kind of things and i just wasn't interested in that uh so i i guess the 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 misunderstanding came from you know, my rebellious self deciding to, ah, you know, I'm going to, you know, do something completely different. I'm going to follow my passion. I, I have a dream. I, I really want to do this. And, you know, one day I guess I will make it, you know, this and that. Um, and of course, you know, the, the, there was a, a strong amount of support behind that, but initially they just didn't really understand it, I suppose. Right. And, and were they supportive of your choice? Oh yes, yeah, they, they 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 were very supportive of my choice. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so which leads me, you mentioned about uh, the fact that you grew up in Switzerland. I want to ask you, what what was it like to grow up in Switzerland? Uh, not that you are experienced growing up elsewhere, you know, but uh, <laughs> what do you think is different about growing up in Switzerland versus the states or uh, some other part of the world? I would say, you know, Switzerland is a very um, it's it's a very wealthy country, right? So I mean, we we had you know access and and uh, you know access to things. We had access to material things. We had television. We had MTV. You know, we we had all of those things. But there was a a strong sort of disconnect uh, into sort of letting yourself go with that. And I I kind of appreciated that a lot, especially now looking back. Uh, into, okay, you know, you limit your amount of time of TV that you can consume, uh, you know, a half hour a day or something like that. And there's a lot of emphasis in, you know, going outside, going outdoors, doing things, going skiing, going uh, for a hike and enjoying nature. And and so I spent a lot of time, you know, outside uh, uh, being active and doing things. Um, I think, however, though, you know, uh, Switzerland is a, is a, it's a society that is, um, you know, very, very logical, very precise, very, very sort of pragmatic in that sort of approach. And and me as a, my character is more of a free living, you know, maybe and this and that and uh, kind of like a, uh, a free will kind of person. So as I grew older, I felt more and more in this cage of, I, I, I need to break free and I, I need to get out of this, you know, logical linearness of, of life. You know, you grow up, you, you learn a good profession, you have a good job, uh, you, you know, you get settled down, you have a family. And, you know, th these are the logical steps that the average person uh, would take. Now, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up in a big city. I grew up, you know, outside of a city. So uh, I suppose if I would have grown up in a, in a, big city, there might have been a little bit of a different emphasis, uh, you know, onto, onto how to sort of carve out your life. But yeah, I see. Uh, so I guess what's key, what's interesting for me here is that you live in San Francisco right now, right in California, you've lived there for a few several years now. And a lot of people who who were not born here, and choose to come here, they do it because they look for significant improvement in most of areas of their lives and especially financial right? uh, it's a job market that is more uh, fruitful more promising here for people who come from third world or something like that but you've come for in a way something different and also some of the same thing that that some of the same things that this country can offer and that is being free in in your uh, search in your path right and, and and being a little bit entrepreneurial about your life is it fair to say that you've you've come for that 
It's fair to say that, yes. I mean, you're, you're completely right. I, I didn't come here to, you know, uh, uh, make a lot of money and, and, and you know, uh, get a, get a you know, good job in a in, in specific field. Um, I came here because I wanted to break away. I wanted to see how is it on the other side. You know, sometimes growing up in Switzerland, maybe to go back a little bit to that question, we, we, we are we are somewhat of a little bit in a in a bubble in a sense where we have it extremely good. And sometimes we don't realize um, or a lot of people don't realize how good we actually have it. Um, so I, I sort of wanted to go out into the world and, and, you know, kind of see a different perspective on that. And I chose San Francisco because I had been here a few times and. And from historically coming from here, San Francisco was so wildly different in its approach in, in every single way. It was, you know, you, you can walk outside, as, you can be crazy, you can be naked, you can scream and yell, and nobody really says anything, you know, against that. And for me, that was such a refreshing, uh, welcoming, um, you know, difference coming from a very, you know, strict sort of linear um, uh, uh, society in a sense that I felt very, wow, I can do anything I want, uh, here in a, in a sense, you know, like I'm young, I have, I have, uh, I have, you know, aspirations, uh, I have a huge passion. Uh, I, I guess I'm somewhat smart. I can figure things out, but I, I felt, uh, you know, sort of, okay, I'm now in a totally different environment, uh, where it's, it's up and down and crazy. Uh, you can do kind of whatever you want to do, and now is your chance. Now, now try to do that and, and run after that. Yeah, uh, I can see how you retained your culture, you know, applied it onto a new framework. You know, you kind of, you kind of mix those together, right? Because uh, both places are Western, right? You grew up in the West, so to speak, right? and here's also the West, and but very different versions of it and like i i know you you know i've known you for a while so i know i know you you definitely remain uh being swiss in in many of your private ways you know but you also enjoy being outgoing in in an american way and exactly and i, th I think that's the point uh because you know by leaving my my you know home and and and, and what i was used to and everything by going away from that uh, I start. I started to realize that actually I I kind of missed that, <laughs> and and maybe that's I kind of found myself in in that sense where I could I identified well, I do like certain things this way and I like it like that and that's interesting. So so for me it was a very personal. Uh, I got to know myself really really well. So so you're right. It is it's both west. You know we all have you know products. We can buy jeans. We can we can uh, we can do all these things that that we do. Um, but, but I think here it's, it's in a more loud and crazy way. And I think that's what fascinated me so much, uh, uh, about that is where, where I could be vocal about these things. Yeah. Where sometimes I felt, uh, uh at home, I, I couldn't, I was restricted. So speaking of being vocal, <laughs> my perfect segue skills. So what is Inhalt? Inhalt, Inhalt is a band um, that um, I got together with uh, with a, a good friend of mine as well, uh, my music partner, and and we 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 formed a band. What's his name? Mattia. So you met in San Francisco, and you, That's right. you formed a band. That uh, how would you describe? Musically. Yes. Um. <clears throat> Inhalt is, I would say, kind of a, a cross between new wave, uh, synth pop, a lot of dark wave, maybe uh, influence in there, um, electronic dance music in, in a sense, but with a heavy, strong emphasis on, on vocal um, uh, performance, in a sense. So, and, and what the hell is dark wave? Dark wave is kind of a derivative of new wave. Um, dark wave, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, has its kind of history in the late 70s, early 80s, but it kind of was born out of goth, um, you know, uh, a darker approaches to, um, to new wave music, which was generally more pop driven. Um, and I think Inhalt kind of combines those two together in a, in a, and a somewhat playful, but also in a in, in a more of a, a thought after way. 
Yeah, my impression that the the word dark in this style sort of implies that it's a bit more serious, a bit more not sinister, but it's it's a bit more kind of minor chords, I guess, and and a little bit maybe politically charged because there's like dark clouds above us and stuff like that. Where new wave was a bit more uh, happy and a bit more. Easier to digest uh, for just anyone, right? I think dark wave is a little bit more niche kind of music. That's correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it comes a lot from like punk. You know, if you can, if you combine anarchy, punk, you know, that that was kind of the the approach to anti-establishment, and you know, let's break everything down and destroy things, and and uh, you know, punk was a was a very strong sort of antidote to the boy meet girl uh, very uh, sort of themed music that you would hear on the radio. And, and I, I think Dark Wave uh, is kind of a continuation of that. Um, so who listens to Dark Wave? Are there like big groups around the world, the big scenes? There is a fairly large scene around the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would probably have to say early 2000s, there was kind of a resurrection uh, of, of this sort of uh, music. And, and it was kind of then more and more combined into synthesizer uh, driven um, kind of approaches. But I would say the past 15 years that certainly has generated a, a, a large following of, of, you know, young generations who are searching for something different. All right. So tell me about the music production process in the studio. Mattia and I, my music partner and I, we are very uh, fascinated by equipment, by technology. And we have sort of identified uh, with using more um, software-driven uh, instruments, uh, such as computers and laptops, is that we're, we're missing a lot of the playfulness. We're missing a lot of the organic, uh, real approach. So, you know, not to say anything negative about, you know, using computers and software and all that kind of stuff. I mean, by all means, we use computers as well, just in a different way. We just didn't like the interface of sitting in front of a, a screen and moving your mouse and, you know, uh, interfacing with it that way. So we also being kind of connoisseurs of, of vintage synthesizers, um, you know, we have a large collection. We've, we have, you know, since, since both of us, since we were teenagers, we've had huge, um, you know, inspiration of, of, of Synthesizer X, you know, Moog or ARP or, you know, whatever, uh, to, to name a, a couple of names. Um, so we, we, we try to approach it in that way where we are very fortunate enough to have a lot of these instruments at our disposal. Uh, we've actually just com completed building an, an, another studio not far away from here where we have everything connected and ready to go but but the approach is every every different synthesizer has a different sound uh, much like you know a yamaha violin will sound very different to a stradivarius or you know a taylor guitar will sound different to uh, you know fender or you know whatever so we've kind of identified what instruments give us the sound that we like and sort of put our attention into into using those um and so we, we use a lot of different flavors of, of these instruments in, uh, in our sound. Um, but we, we <clears throat> to come back to kind of like how we approach making music, uh, we, um, we do everything sort of on the fly, in a sense. We, we, we'll get together, we'll uh, say, like, okay, I have, a, I have an idea for a melody, which I think is great. I have a chord progression, which I think is interesting. Um, you know, and then one of us will say, okay, that's interesting. Play that maybe on a Jupiter 8 synthesizer because I like the sound of the, of the, of the, of the filters, the oscillators and whatnot. And then, uh, and then you know, uh, my partner will, will bring up another synth and play a bass line. And so we kind of go from there. We, we, a lot of it has to do with playing. That's kind of our emphasis. So if you could uh, wave a magic wand and transform a synthesizer into a girlfriend, which one would it be? <laughs> Let me get this right. You're, you're asking me <clears throat> if, I could, if I could wave a magic wand and one of the synthesizers would become a girlfriend. Is that what you're saying? Like human? Right, right. Which one of them would you marry? <laughs> Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I would probably have to say uh, a synthesizer called uh, the Prophet 5 made by a company called Sequential. Prophet 5 by Sequential would make yes. the perfect girlfriend. Yes, that would make the perfect girlfriend. She would yes. have to uh, learn how to cook, though. 
<laughs> that's okay. That's okay. That's she doesn't need I'm... to. She doesn't need to. As long you... as she makes those sweet sounds. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. That, that that that's the approach. You know, with 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 the Prophet Five, which was a classic, um, you know, analog synthesizer. Actually, it was the first uh, polyphonic synthesizer with memory uh, uh, from the Bay Area. Uh, 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 widely used, of course, but uh, the the Prophet has a, a certain silkiness to its sound uh, that no other synthesizer really gives you, and you can really s- subtly play with that. Um, and so, yeah, that's I guess the the, <laughs> the traits that I would be looking for in a in a partner. <laughs> sil- sil- silky and playful. <laughs> silky and playful. Yes, exactly. Yeah, just uh, beautiful. You know, ju- just beautiful. Okay, okay, that's yeah. not a lot to ask. Um, but <laughs> I guess in the world of synthesizers, that that's. But but yeah. the 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 key is there is an off button. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, so that's an analog one, right? It's not a digital one. It's it's yes, a very it's, old one. It's, mm-hmm. it's analog. Yes, yeah. With uh, I mean digital memory, right? So I mean it was the first instrument to have what was called the Z80 processor made by Motorola in the in the late 70s. Uh, so all the parameters uh, which are analog electricity are then uh, via DA conversion converted. Oh, sorry, AD uh, analog digital into digital information that can be stored in a memory, uh, which was a very very unique thing uh, at that time when that came out. Awesome. Okay, so you sing in your band and. You write lyrics as well for the songs. Uh, so how do you write your lyrics? And you sing in German. So yeah, tell me about the process of coming up with the words and whether you kind of try to put some message in there and, and why do you choose German over English? It's a bit of a loaded question. Well, <clears throat> well, we can maybe take this into different segments here. But, um, you know, Inhalt means contents in German, like the contents of a book uh, or yeah, the contents, you know, in a bottle or something like that. And we believe that in our modern society where we are in and how we're all living is that uh, we're putting a lot of emphasis on to how everything looks like around us, but not what is in the core. Um, one perfect example is that, you know, when you post pictures on Facebook, it all looks glamorous and beautiful and everybody is jealous and thinks, oh, you have such a fantastic life. But in reality, you're sitting at home, uh, just making it look very nice. So that to me is a message of saying that there's no content. So Inhalt is kind of a, um, a, an answer to, to that in a sense. So a lot of our songs have to do with with this sort of alienation of being disconnected from what is reality um, in in a sense. Like, for example, you know, we have uh, we have one song called Panopticon uh, and and a, a Panopticon is is kind of like an inverted jail in a sense. Uh, where if you look at like a traditional jail, you have a, a jail cell and the inmate is in the cell and, and, you know, the warden goes by, but, but you're relatively private in there and nobody's really watching you. Um, so, so psychologically you can kind of, you know, run away into yourself. And a panopticon is the, is the opposite of that, where the inmate is put into the center and is constantly being watched. But the difference is the inmate does not know that you're being watched. So psychologically, you're in a different, uh, you're in a constant state of fear. And we believe that, uh, you know, not just currently, but, but, you know, in the last 50, 60, 70, maybe 80 years, we've all kind of been living in a panopticon of not, not knowing are we being watched or are we not being watched. So we're all psychologically very tense about that. Uh, so that's that's one example. There's a lot of uh, elements in that song that I've kind of put together for that. Mm-hmm. 
stehen, um die Wahrheit zu sehen. Meine Seele ist hier, doch mein Körper ist weg. Kein Bezug auf mich, werde ich entfernt. There's another tune uh, that we just um, composed, which is coming out um, uh, in, a, in a couple of months. Uh, it's called Alles, um, and that uh, means everything. Momentan ist alles klar, ohne Grund denke ich, keine Sorgen, das ist wahr. Ich suche meinen Sinn, tiefer schaue ich rein, durch die Zahlen kann es sein, dunkle Flecken überall. So, in, in that song, I kind of talk a lot about how you can have everything, but you have nothing, in a sense. Uh, so, what do you really have? What is really you? What is really, what makes you? Um, I don't want to look at you uh, on your, you know, social media profiles. I want to talk to you and, and, and figure out who you really are as a person. Um, so, that's kind of the, the, the backstory to a lot, a lot of our you know uh, methodology that that goes behind that but we, we 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 don't really do it in a in a in a in a you know shouting sinister anarchist approach we we do it more in a playful way kind of a, a gentle reminder of hey put your smartphone away uh when you go to a bar and talk to your friend uh or you know th there's a cute girl sitting over there that you like you know walk up to her say a few things uh that's kind of what we're trying to imply uh, a lot with uh, with our tunes. And I mean, to come back to your, your last part of that question, why in German? Um, you know, I grew up in Switzerland. I grew up in the German part of Switzerland. So, you know, German is, is kind of my native um, language in a sense. And uh, that, that kind of just came up in a whim. I mean, Mattia and I, we, we got together. We, we made a song and, uh, and uh, quite remarkably, we could make a song instantaneously. I mean, within an hour, we had a whole tune ready, which was, you know, I've never experienced that before with, 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 uh, with a music partner. Uh, so I just tended to just kind of hum along, you know, melodies in, in my head that I would just kind of whistle or hum along, you know, with, with my voice. And, uh, and, uh, and then so eventually it was like, all right, Philip, you sing. <laughs> try it, you know, give it a shot. So it, it was really my music partner that brought that out of me. You know, for me, it was more, oh, what, what, what so, you? So, so it was no. decided on the spot. Like you never had an aspiration to, to be a stage performer uh, with a microphone. Not at all. No, not at all. That, that was the least, <laughs> uh, um, uh, the, the, the last thing that was in my head. It was, it was really, it was really my partner that said, no, no, you should do this. You should, you should go out and, uh, and, and sing in German. So, you know, I, I decided to, okay, well, I'll do it in a, in a language that is easiest for me to do. I mean, imagine, you know, uh, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're American, you grew up in California and now you live in, in South America somewhere and your Spanish is kind of okay. And you can kind of get along and, and stuff like that. And now suddenly somebody says, okay, you sing, you know, you would, you would naturally say, okay, well then I'll sing in English because that's my easiest language that will come to me. You know, I'm still learning Spanish. So, you know, standing on stage and singing in broken, poor Spanish is kind of embarrassing. Right. It's like you put, you put yourself in the position of strength when you use what you know best, right? And, and you stand out. Like if, say, if you sing in English as a native speaker in, in uh, you know, Colombia or something like that, people will look at you and will not question whether or not your English is good because it's going to be like just pure perfection from their perspective, at least. Right? Uh, kind of like you, you can handle, you can command your native language German masterfully like no one else could in in California on stage while playing dark wave you know so so that's definitely you play into your strength here right but I think it also adds a flavor right I think I think there's something about the German language that it it's not a part of everyday uh, pop music you know I think we hear especially in, in the states we hear a lot more Spanish as a second language and Maybe we'll hear, occasionally we'll hear a French song, like Edith Piaf or something like that, right? But there are very few German songs that, that people uh, could you know, randomly hear at, at a cafe or something like that. And, uh, I mean, not that your music would be played at a cafe, which would be nice. Uh, but I think there's a kind of subtext from recognizing the language. And most people will not know what you're singing about, right? especially here uh, and but there's something about it that that I don't know how I would describe it but it makes it all all the more serious you know in the music mm, mm. I think I think um, you know 
German is a very edgy sort of language. There's a lot of um, corners and, you know, 90 degree uh, turning points uh, just sonically. Um, and I think that works really well with uh, this kind of uh, synthesizer, uh, minimal, um, you know, edgy kind of sounds. So I, a, a lot of it has to do with it's another instrument on top of it to sort of uh, complement this uh, edgy, you know, edgy uh, grooves, rhythms, very, very short bass lines and stuff like that. But yes, correct. I mean, it, it is very, uh, very unique. I mean, uh, you know, and funnily enough, you know, for example, uh, in Germany, from my experience, uh, it is extremely hard to produce music in German and become recognized and famous in German. There are very few people that uh, that have gotten to do that. So in Germany, a lot of you know early bands, people wouldn't even think to sing in German. Uh, they 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 would naturally gra gravitate to English or you know something else that sounds sonically uh, more appealing to the ear. Um, so, so yeah, it is, it's daring. It's very daring. I would say. I know you have some in introverted tendencies as a person. I mean, you're outgoing, you're very social, uh, when you want to be, but you also value your private time and space. So when you're, when you're put up on stage under a spotlight to perform, um, does it feel like a natural place to be? Uh, did you have to work towards getting used to it or, or do you separate those like acting on stage uh, from your actual uh, character yeah. yeah that's that's very well put Vasily. um i have obviously i like to be alone i like to have my time i like to uh, sort of you know tinker around with with uh, with you know, music and stuff like that. That's usually done, you know, privately and, and not in much contact with other people. Uh, but yes, you're right. I, I, for me going on stage is, is more like, okay, I flip a switch in my head and I go, okay, now I'm acting. Now I have a, a character and this character I have to portray and, and, you know, run with it. And, uh, and for me it is, it is just pure fun. I mean, I have a lot of fun doing this. I, I remember the first time I did it, and maybe it's you know I've I've had some experience. I was touring with uh, with a comedy duo uh, in in the early part of my of my life. But but you know touring I was uh, the front of house engineer. I was doing more technical stuff. But I had a, a big approach to uh, how to um, how to act on stage. Uh, so I learned a lot that way on on how to switch yourself and and you go okay now now it's performance time in a sense. So uh, the, I remember the first time when with Inhalt when we had a show and, you know, we we're playing the first gig and, you know, we're all nervous and, you know, this and that. For me, that nervousness never really surfaced because I, I was just like, OK, yeah, great. Yeah. All right. Stage. Cool. OK, perfect. Lights. You know, you you you, you go into your character and you, and you just hope for the best in a sense. <laughs> uh, uh, but it takes a lot of uh, energy and a lot of preparation uh, beforehand to get to that level. Uh, so I, you know, that involves a lot of meditation going into yourself and, 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 and calmness and of course fitness, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of this for me is also, um, uh, it's a workout in a sense, uh, you know, so you, you have to, you know, eat the right foods, drink a lot of water, you know, uh, go, go and go for a swim, do, do some sport or, you know, whatever, clear your mind. And then you're, you're at your fullest and ready to perform. Um, and then you just form into this character and you go out and you present it yeah that makes sense that makes sense you have to sort of i mean you jump into it fairly readily but it requires some preparation and adjustment i'm sure you get better with time but it's not something you want to necessarily like recover from like do, do you take a re recovery time after a performance uh, do you just want to hide away or do you feel energized that you've just had a show uh, you know when you play a show like that, there's a lot of adrenaline that goes through your body. Um, and so and I naturally get high on that. Uh, that's my natural high. So I am very energized. I'm very, um, uh, you know, alert. It, it sort of puts me into a spot where I, after playing a show a couple of days later, I, I have a, an immense amount of energy. Um, so, yes, it, it certainly does energize me. Now, you also make your own music. Uh as a solo producer, uh, what's your take on collaboration versus uh, working on your own? Uh, music styles differ quite drastically when you 
uh, in the band versus by yourself? Is that fair to say? Well, I, you know, I think the biggest fear about making electronic music or the biggest downside, if, if, if I may say, is that, you know, you can have five musicians that are fantastic, but they will never play together. They will always, um, you know, do it themselves because with the technology synthesizers and, you know, recording interface and all that kind of stuff, it is kind of geared and sort of made for you to do it individually to do it yourself you can uh, you can stop whenever you want you can start it you can you can change it you can move it you can let the instrument you know take you into space or you know whatever you have to do but you always sort of do it for yourself and in my early uh, you know uh, career if 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 i may say um I never understood how to make music with other people because I accepted that that was the norm, that you just make it yourself. Uh, you have a studio, a couple of synthesizers, you know, you have recording machine, whatever, but you would never do it with anybody else. And that broke when I, when I met my music partner who, who kind of taught me and said like, well, you know, you take that kind of approach, right, where you're focused on, on you know, creating the sound you want, on, on you know, uh, putting together the chords that you like and, and that kind of stuff. But how about if I'm next to you playing a bass line with you? And that sort of blew my mind. That's when I realized that, ah, yes, of course, that's the key, because music uh, traditionally is always done uh, together, it's always done with with various musicians, and the reason being is because each each instrument is is designed and built for what it does, right? I mean, uh, you know, a trumpet uh, does not sound like a bass guitar, and a, a bass guitar you cannot get it to sound like a flute. So you 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 need somebody who okay, you play bass, you play drums, you play uh, you know flute, you play this, you play that, um, uh, and then you all practice and have your segments that you play. The, the the difference is the piano uh, in that constellation because the, the piano allows you to write every single component of the song. You can write the bass, you can write the melody, you can write the, the chorus, you can write the, you know, uh, uh, you, 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 you have all of the frequencies in the spectrum in one instrument. And with synthesizers, that's totally different because there you can have one synthesizer that can basically do everything. It can sound like a the trumpet part or it can do the guitar or it can do the bass, it can do the, the drums and all that kind of stuff. So you never are forced to find people, you know, where, where you go, okay, I, I, I need a drummer. I need to find some drums. You know, I, I can't do it with my instrument that I have here. Uh, and you, you, you never really have that sort of approach, uh, with, with electronic music, or at least that's what I thought, uh, until I met my music partner and we sort of, uh, or, or I started to realize that, ah, yeah, you can take this approach of, you know, you're very good at this instrument and you're very good at that instrument. Now, now program the synthesizer to do that, uh, you know, like the bass line. Uh, I will program it to do a melody line and now we'll play together. Uh, and that adds just a completely different dynamic. But it is very, very hard to find that, I would say. You'll never be alone as long as you have your Prophet 5 as your girlfriend that's right i'll never <laughs> i'll never be alone yes yeah but again there's an on and off switch so sometimes i can just be like okay off because <laughs> because it's absolutely necessary once in a while <laughs> so so yeah. uh, uh do you have any stories about uh, positive impact that your music made on people on fans listeners Oh yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, that's that's uh, that's one of the biggest inspirations that I have, or the resonances that I've got. Uh, for, for example, there was one guy. Um, we we played a show in LA um, just recently. It was a great show. You know, we had a great time. Uh, we love playing down there. By the way, it's a great environment. I like being there. And uh, and uh, and this uh, you know younger kid. I mean, maybe twenty years old, nineteen, twenty years old, twenty one, something like that. Uh, he comes up to me after the show, and he goes. He comes up to me and he goes like, "I have found what I want to do in life." And you know, I go, "Okay, uh, that's wonderful. Uh, congratulations." <laughs> and he goes, "I want to be a German teacher." Uh, I've brought my I've brought my German teacher with me, and she was there too. 
and uh, I bought your music in the in the store, and I fell in love with German, the, the language, and I started to learn it. And now I want to go pursue a career in being a German teacher, and and for me that was you know a moment of wow. Uh, Okay, uh, I had unexpected no turn. Yeah, yeah. Completely unexpected. I had no idea that you know, like, like you know, music for me is just something I love doing. I, it's it's a normal. It's what I love to do. Like some people love to, uh, you know, uh, go off for walks or do art or you know, do all kinds of other things. But to have somebody come back to you and say what you love to do has inspired me to become what I want to do. Uh, which is a beautiful moment, I think. Uh, yeah. How do you combine your day job and your music career? Uh, would you prefer to change the balance in your music versus day job? And maybe tell us a little bit about what you do for, for a living. Yeah. Uh, not at all, actually. I mean, in music, it is such a, uh, you know, kind of like up and down industry. I highly recommend to anybody, an as aspiring musician um, or not, is to have a day job, to to have uh, another form of income because it'll make your life so much easier if you know bills are paid, you can live properly and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, sometimes we, we or people in music, they get kind of stuck in, uh, in this sort of... Uh, rhythm of, you know, I hate my job and oh, if, if only I could become, you know, rich and famous and I want to make it and whatever. Not everybody, but there are a lot of, you know, people that sometimes can get stuck into that. And, uh, and so what I did myself, I sort of looked at that and, and said early on, uh, okay, how do I, how do I marry that? How do I bridge that together? You know, I, I, I never want to be in a position where I have a day job and I don't really like the term day job because I find that it's kind of a little bit derogatory, uh, you know, but, uh, how do I translate my passion into what I do for a living uh, outside of music? And so I, you know, having a degree in audio engineering, I, I kind of, I fell into uh, IT work uh, uh, in my mid-20s uh, through a friend of mine. And, uh, and it was highly beneficial for me because I started to learn about business and how business works and how corporations operate and, and how things work. And, and, and being fascinated by technology uh, in itself, uh, computers seemed very close uh, because it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's signal flow uh, in a sense that goes back and forth. So I, I, I sort of fell in love with, 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 uh, with handling that and saw the, the similarities with, uh, with, uh, with creating electronic music uh, as opposed to managing servers and, uh, and, and databases and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's maybe a little bit drier. It's not as creative, but it's sort of, it's a very similar kind of metier in a sense. Um, but through that, I, I fell then into audiovisual uh, integration work, uh, designing conferencing systems and uh, managing that and, and, and project management and running into into that sort of field. So uh, being in San Francisco, uh, there's, you know, high emphasis on, on tech companies here um, and where that is needed. Uh, that is a skill that is required. And, and I was quite honored and, and was like, okay, well, uh, this is great. You know, sure, of course, let's try it. Uh, so my day job, uh, in, in parentheses, uh, is I'm an audiovisual um, uh, systems engineer, uh, in a sense. Um, for a tech company and I get to go everywhere in the world to all of our remote sites. I, I get to work with, uh, with our IT project management team and deciding and building what conferencing systems are we going to use? What, what rooms are we going to build? Um, and on top of that, I also, you know, th there are a lot of events that happen, uh, with these companies, there are a lot of talks, there are a lot of, you know, all hands and all that kind of stuff, uh, which is kind of like a theater performance in a sense. I mean, it's very dry and very, very, you know, non-performance oriented, but on a technical level, it's still mics, it's still broadcasting, it's still, you know, mixing boards and stuff like that. So I get to, I get to work with that on a daily basis. So for me, uh, I have kind of made, uh, my, my hobby into my job where, where, where I love what I do. 
uh, when I wake up in the morning, I'm, I'm very uh, inspired and I go through my calendar and go like, okay, great. Okay, we're going to work on this. There's a new that. I'm you know, designing a new profile for a DSP processor or there's an event at four o'clock where they need microphones. Cool. Okay, we'll organize that. They need it recorded. Okay, awesome. Brilliant. Oh, let's go to this conference. There's a new you know, uh, VC technology that's coming out. Uh, and, and, and those kind of things. And then I can kind of marry that, you know, uh, together. So for me personally, I'm, I'm very, very, very happy with, uh, with how I have sort of set that up for myself. So, so you don't feel like it, it doesn't, uh, have an, any adverse effect on, on your creative output. Um, no, I would not say that it has an effect. Uh, I mean, what it does is, you know, for a lot of people, uh, that is their career. And when they go home, they stop. They, you know, they uh, they relax or they go to the gym or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and so the only thing that I can kind of add to that is uh, it fatigues me because when, when my day job sort of ends, uh, I go into my other job. And sometimes finding energy to go back into, okay, now another eight hours of straight on work, uh, you know, at six o'clock when you come home where normally everybody is uh, watching Netflix or whatever, um, uh, that sometimes gets draining uh, where I just find myself, you know, lack of sleep and, uh, and sometimes fatigued uh, on that level. But again, I mean, what I have learned um, uh, by doing this is having a good balance in life. Uh, because what you do then is you start to realize what your body and mind is capable of doing and, and, and how far you can go with it. So for example, if you decide, you know, to, to, to come home and, and, you know, have a beer every night, uh, not implying getting drunk, but, you know, drinking that slows you down and fatigues you. Uh, so that's maybe a luxury that I can't do, uh, because then I, my output is just not guaranteed. Okay. Uh, so, and if you could switch career path and become anything else, what would you go for? I would become a pilot. I know you have interest in aviation. So yes. what is it about aviation that fascinates you? Well, I mean, as a, as a kid, uh, we traveled a lot with my family. We, we went everywhere around the globe. Uh, we went to uh, the United States a lot as, as kids. So I, 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 the first time I was in an airplane, I was three weeks old. And ever since then, I've always been around airports and traveling everywhere, getting on planes, going here, going there. So I, I think that goes back to my childhood fascination, again, with technology and with 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 high tech uh, sort of approaches. But with with aviation, uh, what I loved about it was I can go anywhere I want with this medium. You know, it's 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 not a car. It's not a train. It's not a boat that has limitations. I can fly anywhere in the globe with this beautifully crafted machine uh, uh, that that is is beautiful in itself uh, as it as it uh, you know takes off and flies away um, uh, so so I, I I think sort of in my um, passion for music and art and creating and and, and going out and, and and doing things the aircraft has been sort of my vehicle uh, that brought me there so every time I interface with an aircraft I I get that sort of sense of of, of relief and, and re-energizing and uh, you, you can do whatever you want. You, you can achieve it uh, in, in a sense. So, so, so on that level, uh, that, that fascinates me. And of course, you know, the, the technology behind it. How does it work? How does it fly? How is it being controlled? How is it, uh, you know, what's its, uh, its maximum range? What's the, you know, the, the payload? How much can it carry? Uh, and uh, yeah, so that, that are there, are there any fun facts that you could share? Like, is it possible to make one full circle around the world in, in the Boeing seven forty seven? I wouldn't, not without modifying it. I mean, you would probably uh, the main concern is fuel. Uh, uh, I would probably have to say that you probably could not, you know, have enough fuel to stay airborne uh, around uh, the the entire globe, but. Uh, I, I think there are some people who have done that before using commercial aircraft uh, by, 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 you know, having additional payload of, of fuel on board. Uh, but, um, but I mean, you know, it's transportation, so it has to be lucrative. Uh, uh, so you'd rather have, uh, you know, more paying passengers or cargo on board uh, at, a, at a, you know, lesser distance that makes more money. <laughs> 
in a yeah, sense. Yeah, I always find it suspicious when I see a direct flight, I don't know, like San Francisco to maybe like Moscow or something like that. You know, that, that, that seems like, wow, that's, that's quite a lot of... It's like half of the planet needs to be covered. But I think it's probably as far as they can go. Yeah. It's probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, with modern aircraft, you know, obviously that has increased tremendously, right? Like it's, fuel consumption has gone down aerodynamically. They have been modified, less drag, uh, you know, uh, much like a car, right? You get more mileage, um, you know, it's more aerodynamic. So, so the range certainly has increased tremendously. But on the other hand, uh, you know, who wants to be on a plane for 24 hours? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you kind of want to break it maybe uh, halfway. That is that is true. It's a good, good, good uh, thing to keep in mind that not if, not everyone enjoys being on the plane as much as you do. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's because you could yeah. go for a couple of days just uh, keep on bringing those drinks and the delicious uh, the <laughs> delicious food that they have on the plane. Well, I, I, I mean, I would have to say it depends on the airline that you would take. But yes, if it's a good airline. What are your top three airlines? My top three airlines? Oh, uh, I mean, you know, Emirates, Singapore, they're definitely up there. Uh, you know, Swiss Airlines, of course, because, you know, Swiss Airlines for me is is uh, it's because I'm, it's home, right? Every time I get on board a Swiss aircraft, uh, I feel like I'm already at home. So it's more of a connection that way. Uh, but there are certainly other airlines that are much better than uh, than, than Swiss uh, is. But uh, but, yeah, I would probably have to say those are my three top five. So what song would be the anthem of your life? What song would be the anthem of my life? If if, if someone made a, a short documentary, a four-minute-long documentary about you, just with some uh, cuts, some uh, outtakes of your life highlights, what's, what song would you play in the background? I would have to say it is a song called Ron's Peace uh, that is performed by Jean-Michel Jarre. Ron's Peace. Yes. And if are you working on anything in terms of personal development and what would you like to improve in your lifestyle? Well, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with um, balancing myself maybe a little bit more maybe i'm a little bit harsh with myself but i spend a lot of i don't have much time like free time for myself uh and in the past couple of years by doing this you know having day work and music and all that kind of stuff uh i i i, I kind of want to spend a little bit more time on having free time doing things right um uh, i think that's that's something that i would like to uh explore a little bit more and and, and bring me there in terms of personal development i mean you know life is always personal development you know i'm, I'm a big fan of the term education permanent which means uh, permanent education so you know uh, something new will fascinate me or something more interesting will come my way uh, and i will want to do it but but i think i think my my biggest problem is that i don't have enough time in the day to achieve that. So maybe I need to get a little bit better on my time management uh, skills where I can kind of say, okay, you know, uh, enough of that now. Now let's focus on something else. Let's, you know, do this and now go to sleep. But it's kind of difficult to do when you do something creative because sometimes you 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 get into a, a you know uh, a notion of uh, oh this 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 great baseline I like this or this is interesting and then you can spend hours and hours on end and suddenly you realize it's two o'clock in the morning and you go oh oh I need to go to sleep now because I need to wake up you know and continue the next day. Yeah, I can say that that in my personal experience that getting to the state of delirium, staying up late and being super tired sometimes can get your creative juices flowing in a different way right you may discover something and get inspired and kind of be high on like get a second wind on on the lack of sleep and and that's when you know that some of your more interesting works were born out of this you kind of you're okay with it right you accept that that uh, non-conventional uh, approach to your to your routine is that something you've experienced yourself absolutely yes absolutely and i think that's a that's a key ingredient uh, especially when you make uh, electronic music 
is that you limit yourself, right? I mean, with synthesizers, uh, you can tend to, you know, let the machine kind of take over you where you can spend hours and hours on noodling around and, and you know, same sounds, whatever, but it goes nowhere. Uh, and one thing I've learned with my music partner, Mattia, and with Inhalt, is because we have limited amount of time to to focus on this, uh, uh, we have to come to a point where we say, okay, great, stop. Great sound, good baseline, now let's continue. Uh, not to say that we rush through things, but we we, we do keep things at a, at a, at a, at a fast pace, uh, especially when, you know, we, we write the songs in our studio, record it there, but then we go to a recording studio and mix it and, you know, do the vocals and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And, and there already you are limited in time because you're paying for the time that you're there. So, you know, okay, we only have 12 hours to do this. How can we manage this efficiently where we're not wasting time by noodling around, uh, you know, uh, that delay effect sounds really great. Let's spend three hours figuring out if it should go from left to right or right to left or up and down or, you know, no, no. Yeah. You listen. Okay. Is it good? Perfect. Continue. Go on. So yes, I, I, I certainly have developed that in, in a sense, which, which might be, Sometimes maybe a little bit negative, right? I mean, a, a, a lot of, especially in electronic music, a lot of people like to kind of let themselves go, right? They go like, no, you know, spend spend a couple of hours uh, doing this. Uh, but I'm not a fan of that. I, 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 I want to be efficient and fast. I think uh, m maybe part of it is innate because the uh, the famous Swiss slash German efficiency, you know, really helps <laughs> yes. in this. Maybe yes, I'm I'm sure that comes to to shine. Yeah, you gotta play to your positive stereotypes. You know, t take advantage of what people perceive you as. Right? I don't think you're you're a, a typical Swiss. And I've met some other Swiss people in my life, uh, and while you maybe share some traits with them, <laughs> you don't strike me as as. Uh, most of other Swiss people that I've met, um, but it's it's I'm, good it's good to know your strength. I'm I'm going to take that as a compliment, Vasily. <laughs> it was supposed to be an insult. <laughs> insult see, in, in halt. It's uh, yeah, exactly yeah. It's all about perception. <laughs> <laughs> see I, again, you play into your strength. Yeah, you're a positive think thinker. Uh, so in in closing, I would like to ask you something that is impossible but if it were possible uh, if you could give a phone call to an 18 year old version of yourself and uh, give them advice or any message that they can send from the future what would you tell them do less drugs uh <laughs> <laughs> no um Stay in school. I would pro <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh, i would probably have to say you know um be healthy, uh, be fit. Uh, look at your at your at your capabilities of what your body and mind can do. Uh, many times, or at least for me, when I was a young kid, rebellious and you know uh, running around and whatever, um, uh, and maybe this is you know natural, normal, whatever. But I, I would go to a lot of you know parties and techno parties and you know that kind of stuff. And sometimes they would derail, and you know I would do things that I'm not really too proud of to say today. Um, uh, which, which might have slowed me down in, in many ways in, in opportunities and whatnot. Um, so I would have to say to my 18 year old self, uh, if I could, uh, be focused, uh, and, and, and listen to your body and listen to good music, but that he wouldn't need to hear because he was already listening to good music. I'm sure. I, I should hope so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I think Absolutely. It, was, it was an awesome inaugural introduction episode and your passion for the things you uh, you do in life uh, shines through. And I hope it will be an inspiration to not only those who want to make music and live in San Francisco, uh, but also to those who want to teach German. <laughs> yes. And... and uh, yeah, and whatever inspiration people may get out of this. Um, so my the idea behind this series is to show uh, that uh, you don't need to be inspired only by extremely su successful people who who are celebrities and top performers. And I, I think we have people with interesting lives and interesting lifestyles all around us. Um, and and uh, you are a shining example of that. And uh, I appreciate you uh, giving me the time. Well, I, I, I thank you very much, Vasily. That's uh, that's very kind of you to put that together and giving me the opportunity to, uh, to record this podcast. I hope 
I uh, could inspire maybe somebody else, uh, you know, to uh, run with it, whatever inspires them. So thank you very much, Vasily. Till the next time.